Damn, son, where'd you mint this? Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Pattern Recognition, episode 25. 25 episodes. Very proud of that number. Feels good to have made it this far. Today, I'm joined by Diana Sinclair, and Diana is a, let me just say, a very inspiring artist who is 19 years old. I've lost track of who the youngest guest is. <laughs> I feel like I've wondered if I've had the youngest guest a couple times. I think Diana now is officially the youngest guest I've ever had, and I gotta say, by far, was just, not even just this this show, not just pattern recognition, but just in general, one of really genuinely the most inspired conversations I've had, I think, with with a fellow artist and someone who, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm entering my 20th year uh, as a as an independent artist next year. And, and Diana is like a couple years into her career now, and she's 19. And there's something really just very exciting to me about talking to someone who is just really at the dawn of their career at that age. She's, you know, well underway and doing, getting opportunities and doing things that are, you know, I think quite beyond what, you know, the average 18, 19 year old uh, artist is experiencing. So, I mean, you know, that's certainly the exception to the rule, but uh, I think there's a really good reason for that. And Diana's work and her thinking and personal experiences behind the work i think really you'll hear in in the in the episode in in this interview you know i think why she's she's really quite uh, a special talent but hearing her talk about her relationship to swimming i think will stick with me for a very long time her relationship personally to the the sport uh, of swimming and then what she has kind of come to learn about you know swimming and and especially with uh, water and its relationship to to her as a black woman as a black artist and and what that has meant to you know her and her history and and just i think the history of uh, something i personally obviously can't really speak on but just listening to diana talk about this i just i was i was completely just transfixed listening to her uh speak with such conviction and and passion about this topic and then realizing when we were kind of winding down the interview just kind of talking about how she'd really discovered something that feels like it's really setting the stage for her as an artist for many years to come conceptually and something which she'll be really digging into i feel like for for a, for many years and in terms of this concept. Um, there's just so much rich and emotional and, and just extremely charged history with this topic that frankly, I was not really, you know, aware of or, you know, educated on. And I think she's just really the perfect representative of somebody who's lived it and was a, an elite athlete. And then, you know, she hurt her shoulder and, and how that's kind of tied into her relationship to water and, and to swimming and learning more about it is just, it's really cool. It's uh, honestly, I was, it was just an incredibly compelling conversation. And, you know, I think unexpected just cause I didn't really um, go into it knowing a lot of this, you know, about, about Diana. So I was, I really enjoyed it. I really encourage you to, you know, look at her work while she talks. I, 
got a little distracted in a sense while she was talking and went and was looking at some of her her works um, while she was kind of explaining the thinking behind a lot of it. And and it really went a long way to helping me kind of piece together a larger picture of, of who she is and what she's all about. So yeah, just thanks to Diana and, and for taking the time for this episode. Going to have one more episode after this one, and then we'll be taking a break for the rest of this year while we uh, work, work through uh, kind of next uh, ideas and, and planning for the show into the new year. So thanks everybody who's been supporting and, and listening. And, and if you meant the show, it really means a lot. And uh, yeah, thanks to the Zora crew. Thanks to Jory, to my team who help out um, getting this you know show booked and planned. And a lot of work goes into it. Josh, who does a lot of the editing help and Yuri, of course. So yeah, just uh, excited for you to hear this episode. Without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Diana Sinclair. All right. I am joined by Diana Sinclair today. Diana, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well. What's the uh, what's a typical Tuesday looking like for you? Uh, things have been almost boring recently, but it's nice because initially I was rejecting it and now I feel like I'm in full swing with the boringness. Okay. <laughs> Like just in full work mode. So waking up, um, meditating, eating, and then getting right to the studio and being here pretty much all day, which is different than what I'm used to. Yeah. Um, practice is very nice. <laughs> yeah. The meditation practice. So before we really get into it, just to set the stage here, are you, you're 18 right now? I'm 19. You're 19. Okay. Cause I know one of your bios either on your site or somewhere says 18, um, yeah, I which, have a lot circulating. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's wild because you're at the exact, so I'm 38. I started my career when I was 18. I didn't go to college. I moved out of my parents' house cause things started kind of snowballing. And that was the year I think you were born. So <laughs> like, That's it's cool. pretty, it's, it's pretty fun, uh, to talk to someone who's at a stage now, like where I was at. And I just think I get, I get really excited when I see, young artists, um, just kind of getting off to the races. And, and I think it's just, it's very exciting. I think it's, it's really cool. And, and, uh, I love that you're, uh, doing what you're doing at, you know, at the age you're at. Um, but I gotta say, I was not meditating when I was 18. So tell me about the meditation. Tell me about the meditation practice. Is that something you've done for a long time or is that more of a recent thing or, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I was, um, I would say that I've been meditating for a long time or what maybe I would consider a long time for a few years now. Um, it's something thankfully that like, I think my parents really encouraged and I've gone in and out of periods of like being very consistent with it, but I find it's definitely something that I need to get the day started with the right mindset and kind of like go into it with the right intention Mm. to make sure that like, I get my, my head straight before going into whatever I'm doing, because like you said, doing all of this at very young, you can get like really swept away with a lot. Mm, yeah. Overwhelmed. Like there, there are a lot of holds to avoid that. I think being conscious or setting out to have a conscious day, like helps mm. you navigate. <laughs> Why is beyond your years? I wasn't thinking about that when I was 18, it was like, all right, I got this thing I got to do. I'll go to bed by three tonight. I'll get up at eight 30. I'll take a quick shower and get right back to it. <laughs> but granted there was no, there were far fewer distractions than I think like pre truly mm-hmm. pre social media. So I wasn't too worried about like 
in fact it was like a struggle to figure out where to post stuff whereas now it's like all right like which much where am i going to share something but no that's great i think that's um that's something that i only have even begun thinking about and discovering like well into my 30s just the idea of intentional sort of slowing down for a minute um but good for you on like being what i at least relative to me seems like a wise beyond your years type of practice to be getting into is there something that you use are you like a big app person or do you like sit with somebody is like a or is it just something that you've learned to to do like throughout your life i'm just i find these practices for artists especially super interesting yeah um I think depending on my surrounding circumstances, that's where like I maybe will hone in on like one area of meditation that I feel like, Oh, I need this. And that also I feel like is somewhat of a meditative practice in terms of like looking and being like, what do I need right now for, for me to be more conscious in this moment or to like get my, my mind to slow down. So that could be like, um, pulling in other senses, like listening to, um, like certain music or sound bowls, um, or, uh, having like incense to like, I feel like that kind of stuff helps me get more of my body because I'm like still using my senses, but trying to, um, deaden the thoughts. Sure. Um, But I do find that like I'm definitely at my best when I don't need anything outside of myself to help um, release my thoughts and kind of just be empty headed in in my body. Mm. So, but you know, depending on what's going on or how much work you have or whether you're traveling or whatever, sometimes I think that like having that extra help to be in your body is, is really good. I listen to um, Deepak's, 21 days of like abundance meditation recently to like try and see what setting a specific schedule for myself was in like, I'll mm. listen to this every day and go through the the three weeks of it. And I thought that was nice, but I, I could definitely see it as like, okay, I'm almost like taking a class and I'm going to go back to trying to just um, leave with what I learned in that and apply it to what I like to do usually. Cool. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, do you have other things like a lot of the artists I'll, you know, I've talked to are like, this is a constant struggle to like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm running right now. Or I'm like, I, I finally started going to the gym. But like, for me, it's always been very like, I guess a, a bit dictated by how busy I am because it sets up this sort of dangerous chain reaction of, well, I'm, I'm really busy right now. So like I was kind of up late and that kind of, I didn't get great sleep. And then the next morning I know it was probably the best time where I should go work out, but I'm tired and I just want to like mm. skip it. I'm very, very super inconsistent, um, with that. But, uh, yeah. Is it, is it pretty like regular about that? Pretty disciplined? Are you like creature habit type? Is it like pretty routine oriented or is it a constant battle to keep it up? I've been thinking about that a lot recently, actually. I I have been trying to set like kind of what I call non-negotiables. And when I find myself, um, when I find myself not following through on what my non-negotiables are for my day, then that's a little bit of a sign to myself that I'm taking on too much or I'm being overwhelmed or I'm not, uh, I'm not organizing my time properly. So like I will hit like a week where I'm like, oh, I haven't meditated every day or I'm not journaling, um, which is something that I do every day as yeah. well. I do. Um, working out used to be one of those, but 
that is something that is difficult for me for a few mm. reasons because I used to be an athlete. So I think that there's okay. a bit of a, a strange relationship that I have with working. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Horrible. What did you? What, what were you? Was it a sport? Were you a runner? What was the was sport? You're a swimmer. Yeah, which is interesting because that's what my next body of work is kind of surrounding. So I've had to dive into that oh, a little cool. bit my experiences there. But um, swimming definitely takes like a lot of time. So you'll be in the gym for like an hour and then in the pool for two hours. And mm. um, I think it's definitely been a journey for me to recognize that working out can happen in different levels. Like you don't have to be working out like you're trying to go to the Olympics. You can sure, just be yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that journaling, meditating, eating well is something that like I try to maintain and I'm, I'm learning now to try and balance that still with traveling. I think that's one of my like biggest, uh, biggest difficulties is figuring out how to maintain that while on the road, but I've been mm. home more this year. So okay. I've been able to balance myself better. What's the travel like then? So, cause I mean, I'm trying to think like my travel at, at your age had been like family vacations to see my grandparents in New Jersey. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> much my travel at that point. Um, but obviously like, I mean, I guess I started a little bit for, for work, uh, you know, probably around 20, but, um, you know, you know, I guess I wouldn't even have anything to compare, you know, that point in my career to with traveling, but what's the, is it traveling, uh, work stuff or is it more just fun trips like for photography slash, Oh, you know, no. Okay. What's the, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I started traveling for work when I was 17. Okay. Um, and what was interesting, I don't know if you have this experience, but I, uh, my family like never traveled when I was growing up. So that was like one of the sacrifices that we had to make. So my first experience with traveling was for work and it like started off with like, you know, just like here and, and then it was just like one thing after the other. Um, and it was like, it was definitely really intense and like so much. And I think probably too much, especially when I was 18, because mm. I was like, um, it was international. It was like a lot of going to conferences um, and then, um, like bouncing you, around different states. Were you speaking at conferences or? I was, yeah. Oh, okay. I spoke in, um, in Austin for consensus. I think I did something in LA. Um, I lived in Jersey at the time. So well, I still live in Jersey, but I lived further away in Jersey. So I was traveling a lot to the city, um, to do like a lot of speaking and work events and things like that. Um, went to Paris for work too, like. Uh, it was really cool, but I, I do think that like a lot of things, I, I would also like to repair my relationship to traveling because I think it became so work associated mm -hmm. that now I'm trying to also be intentional and say, okay, if I go, go someplace, I can be better balanced with how much I give myself to work and like work parties, which definitely carry like a different sort of intention because you're like mm -hmm. on that sort of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like, I'm going to go to galleries also museums and try and consume as an artist. And I don't always have to like go to every breakfast, lunch and dinner type thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Well, so let's back up a little bit because I'm really, you know, especially like where you're at in, in your career, kind of like just getting things started at a young age. Um, 
what was the like relationship to art and making things for you growing up? Um, I'm curious what your sort of first entry point was. Were you introduced to stuff like digitally, like pretty early on or photography or was it drawing or um, um, like, <laughs> were you like the five, six year old and it was like, okay, like Diana's an artist or did it come a little later or? Definitely. So okay. my parents are both artists and okay. I was homeschooled growing up. So I was exposed a lot to um, art, histories, spiritual and like religious kind of like history and um, literature. My dad okay. specifically, he um, he minored in art in college. So there was like a lot of like trying to introduce that as like a learning tool, because I think when you're doing homeschooling, right, you're trying to also learn about the the kid and like what did they respond to and how did they learn best? And for me, it was definitely art. Like, Oh, like interesting. Going, recreating artworks, like going to museums, kind of like learning in that way. So I was really fortunate to have that sort of experience. And my dad, especially like, I think he, especially in the realm of sketching, like his would always have like a sketchbook and like be drawing me or my brother or we would go out and he'd be like drawing the cafe that we were at or whatever. And it was like, a way that I, I saw it like very much just kind of integrated into our world. So then as I started growing up and I was like, this is what I want to do. There was this balance of like, I was this athlete. It was kind of expected that I would, you know, become like, try to go maybe like pro or like to the Olympics with swimming or like try and take it that serious. Wow. like a very like big college for it which then of course balancing that with art is very mm-hmm. difficult I don't really know many people who are like high level athlete and high level like artists in college as well so there was like that kind of like fighting back and forth with like two very like separate parts of mm-hmm. who I was or or am I've been able to like integrate I think the the positive aspects that you take from athletics and apply it to art now but that I'm trying to figure out like career, career steps. I was definitely in a point where I was like fighting against a lot, but I got a shoulder injury, unfortunately. So that kind of okay. like put me on the path that I do think that I wanted to, to be on. And um, I losing what was to me and my family, a path to financial security in terms of like getting scholarships to college I had to like very early on take art very seriously mm-hmm. and I wanted to make sure that I could get scholarships in that as well so I did like I, I I got myself a scholarship to um SVA when I was 15 to go to a summer program and that's where I got introduced to photography through who's now still like a really close um friend of mine but I was a student at the time Zach Krevit who works at Zora now Um, Oh yeah, of course. We met when I was 15. So I was like his student and it was really cool. Um, And he introduced me to like photography, experimental video. And that was like my first uh, introduction to an artist that was working. Cause again, like being in school, I didn't have that sort of exposure necessarily. And I think Zach brought to that class all these different ways that you can be an artist that Mm. I didn't really I didn't really know. Like I kind of saw like, Oh, maybe you could be a photographer or like we went to museums. It was more the serious stuff, but 
we watched like Solange's um, When I Get Home film and I was like, oh, maybe I want to get into like cinematography or, you know, the choreography of bodies like Carlota who helped with that, um, that film. And I think I left that kind of like, okay, I absolutely can be an artist and do mm -hmm. weird things and have that be accepted and like uh, uplifted in the world. That's interesting. Yeah, that's the fifteen. This is interesting. So you did you end up going to college, or are you not going now, or like no plans to? No plans kind of, to. Okay. Yeah. No, but I think I think that it may be something where um, I've been thinking about that as I've been working on my current body of work, which has encouraged me to do a lot of research. That. I do think that I would enjoy, I think I would enjoy college if I was able to do it at a slower pace. Like I think the four years um, didn't make sense. Kind of like what you were saying with like how my career was going, I wouldn't have been able to balance it at all. But um, now with a more intentional practice, I'm thinking about revisiting it, maybe not this year, but maybe the year after okay. and like, like a longer degree program. Cause I think that's, I think it's important. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That's the exposure that you get. Was it a point of contention to not go to college, like either with parents or teachers in high school or anything like that? Like that was a real moment for me. I mean, my parents didn't, it wasn't really pushed on me for my parents. And I think they weren't all that surprised slash there was just, it was just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like not going to college. Like, like yeah. Um, we didn't really have, I mean, A, it was financial for me. I was like, this seems so prohibitively expensive. We don't, oh, yeah. my parents didn't have money for me for college. Yep. I don't have, I don't have money for college. So I guess yeah. you could take out a loan. And I just felt so behind the eight ball in terms of understanding what that meant. And so I yep. think in my head, I was like, I'll take a year off. And then it was kind of in that year that my career kind of got started sort of in like a very organic, somewhat unexpected way. But uh, my teachers actually, who had really taken to me in high school, like in my junior and senior year, like my art teachers who I got very close with, they were more concerned. They were like worried you're going to throw your talent away if you don't go to college. Like, what are you like? I mean, one of my teachers pulled me into the hall and was like kind of worried for me. And I remember really appreciating that, but also being, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. And that was at a time where I think the idea of not going to college is pretty like you, you go. I mean, that's just like the next step. Um, yeah. Now I think there's so many more avenues and paths as your proof uh, that you can kind of figure out some other ways without needing to burden yourself with like a bunch of school debt. I mean, obviously, like a, getting a, to a scholarship would be a different story, but um, so it's something you're kind of still thinking about, but also maybe like more of an eventually thing if it feels right, but you don't feel any sort of pressure to be in there right now from anyone, and everyone's just like, "No, you're doing your thing." Like, what's the? Why would you? It's nice it being a choice. And I, I wish yeah. that the case for everyone that it was, uh, or that, that it would be a choice that people could decide whether it financially makes sense and like, mm -hmm. you know, don't necessarily have the burden of like, like you said, I have to take a loan and now go into debt. Like, this is what I have to do. And I wish that, you know, um, but I do think it's kind of becoming more that way. Like you said, in this generation, my family, understandably did have a lot of concerns at first. Like they were definitely really unhappy. Um, mm. I, I would say my mom definitely came around to it earlier and actually was kind of like pushing me after a little bit. But um, my dad was definitely more worried and concerned. And I think that, that makes sense, especially given 
what their experience was, which is hmm. a lot of uh, black people in America are fighting against so much. And my, my parents were able to take the step out of what situations they were in through college. And hmm. they got, my dad got sports scholarships. My mom got academic scholarships hmm. and yeah. that to them was their way out of the hard situations that they found themselves in. Sure, and yeah. I think also like being Caribbean, of course, has like, uh, um, and them immigrating back and forth from here in America, like that, that was what they were told to do. And I, I can see very clearly why to them at that time, it would be concerning because they, they wanted me to have structure and, yeah. uh, safety net and all that, which is what it was presented to them. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But when they took the time to like, look at how seriously I was also taking what I was doing at that time and my career was already starting to go really well. Um, we started having this conversation around when I was 16 and when they, I think took a step out of just their perspective and kind of looked at how the world has been changing they very like quickly kind of came around and they're like, mm. you know, they supported me in whatever I did. And they also didn't want me to go into crazy tech. Yeah. So um, I, I am grateful to say that they're like super supportive. And I think that That's great. even seeing what I've, what I've been able to do in the past few years has been really encouraging to them because they're artists and haven't necessarily like, put their put their energies into that which again like wasn't the the safe road for um people of that generation but like seeing what i'm doing they also like getting involved like my mom does a lot of my mom's a writer she does a lot of writing for me when it comes to like my pieces or helping me articulate certain ideas because she's absolutely an amazing writer my dad of course like like sitting down with me still and sketching and drawing or like throwing out ideas. So even just having their influence still mm. is really important because like I wouldn't be who I am without them. So sometimes like going back yeah. and tapping into the source of who I am, you know, yeah. getting some creativity that's, from it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. I love, I love hearing that. I mean, my parents were similarly, is very, very supportive. And I don't think that, um, you know, like there's no telling when you're that age, like what is going to happen, but you just kind of play it by ear at that point and figure like, that's a really resilient age too. It's like, if things aren't going well, I just feel like the energy level, if you're even a little bit motivated is like, you know, it's there, you'll figure something out. You'll land on your feet. You have a good head on your shoulders. Like you came from a good place. Like parents are supportive. Like if the independent artist thing doesn't work out, then you can go to school or you can go get this other job in the meantime, while you figure stuff out and, um, you know, I think just that, but just knowing that the support is there is, is, is huge. Um, so I guess you kind of answered this a little bit, but I'm curious to know, was there a certain point? I mean, you mentioned that they started understanding what you were doing, but was there a certain thing or event or sale or moment that it felt like, okay, like Diana's going to be good. Like we're, we're, we don't, this, I'm all right. Now we, we can like, we can chill. We don't need it. We don't need to like worry so much. I mean, you're there. Your parents are always going to worry a little bit, but I mean, in a more sort of like literal sense of like with your work and what you were doing. And also if you can kind of put like 
a timeline to it. Like, I mean, this is all just in the last couple of years, really. Yeah. So, so like, was there a moment in, in the last like two years or something where it felt like, you know, okay, this is, this feels like the real deal. I think thankfully they started definitely having faith before anything like crazy monumental happened career wise. I, I won some, uh, national, like big art awards for like high schoolers, which is like a, definitely a big deal. And I think that was showing them like, okay, you know, this is like, she's, she's obviously being recognized for the work that she's doing. Um, but I would say that my parents, even in certain moments when I haven't had belief in myself, that they've been like that voice of like, no, you can definitely do it just because you don't see it in this very second or the fruits of your labor aren't on your table doesn't mean that it's not coming. So they they have always been that, that voice, I think. Um, even when I think they were worried about college or like had those concerns, the concern was never me or what I was capable of. Sure, um, yeah, of course. But I also had to like introduce like, hey, like I can get my career started right now. Mm. So what was cool was in 2021 when I started getting more involved with NFTs. Yep. My my dad, he's an artist, but he's also a software developer, and he was really interested in like blockchain, crypto, and all of that um, prior to it. And when I first started getting involved with it, I did a lot of that with him, like sitting down and talking about it with him, like watching YouTube videos and like, and learning about it. Of course, like he also had like a, a strong interest in the, in the dev side, like with learning how to like code with solidity and all of that. But um, they were like super involved with everything that I was doing in that stretch of like the first six months of like 2021 going into digital diaspora. Yeah. And they, did definitely reach a point where they're like, okay, do whatever you want. This is great. <laughs> We're so proud. I mean, so, so kind of the next like phase of this conversation then obviously is kind of the introduction to, to web three. And I think one of the running themes that I've had on this show, cause everyone for the most part has had, I mean, I'd say like 99% of the guests so far have had some relationship to nfts to crypto somehow whether they're an artist and they're truly doing it or they're someone who's kind of more behind the scenes and they're a developer or just someone who's got like thoughts on it you know whatever um, mm -hmm. but everyone i think has a really interesting answer when i ask how were you first introduced to it um i'm real i really ask i really wonder like had i been introduced to it when i was your age like what i would have thought i'll never know and you got to grow up with such an uh, amazing i think your generation and your age you got to grow up with just so many tools at your disposal with accessibility to tools a little more readily available or just like a phone already being so probably integrated in your in your life whereas that came like a lot later for me and anybody older than me um so i would assume and correct me if i'm wrong but i would assume that it's already sort of like having been acclimated to, uh, you know, social media and online communities and, and the type of advanced like levels of software, being able to get on like Lightroom probably when you're like 12 years old or something set you up almost to very naturally start integrating into 
Web3 and NFTs in the community that was starting to to bubble up. Um, was that the case for you? And also like what was who introduced you to it and what made you take it seriously at first? I would agree with that first in saying that being very naturally integrated with like technology and kind of like using it as an extension of kind of like whatever you were doing at the time made it like a very easy jump to like, Oh yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think too, like um, with different online communities, especially in art, especially if you're doing like digital art that the, the concept of being able to create permanence, but also a token that then like one person is able to own or that you can sell it to someone else. was like, I was like, Oh, like where was this before when I was like trying yeah. to sell or whatever when I was you know on different like art forums or things like that and like creating like characters or like you know mm-hmm. just interacting with people and then you kind of like saw it um a little bit of a more like en masse um way where you know people were like generating characters and stuff like taking time to really sit down and like it, it was interesting it was like watching the art communities that I had gotten into when I was like really young on steroids. <laughs> so, it was, it was, which were was, what? What were the what were those communities? Oh, I mean, just like communities that are like weirdly gone now, but um, there were just like these kind of like weird on. Um, there were like apps where they had uh, a drawing feature on it, and then you could like do sketches or like create certain like artworks, and then it almost like Instagram, you could just post it there. So it's like, you could have your account, like just post your drawings, which is really cool. But of course, as you can imagine that like, um, developed a lot of like different, like niche, like fandom communities that were like drawing, like, Oh, like I'm super into Harry Potter. So I just draw a lot of Harry Potter shit or uh-huh. oh, I'm really into, like, um, I don't know, matrix or something. And then you'd have like those different community pockets. And I wasn't, I didn't really have interests like that besides just, um, being super into art and liking different okay. styles. Um, but the concept of like having an account or like, you know, what you could consider like a cache of your, of your drawings or your works online made a lot of sense to me. Mm. Uh, like the, the technology that was introduced in terms of ownership. Yeah. So it, it was, it was really natural except for the fact that when I first got involved in early 2021, I was mostly seeing like 3D artists and that was something that was completely out of the realm of yeah. what I understood. I didn't know how to make it. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't understand it at all. Um, and I kind of initially, like maybe for a week or two, had the assumption that that was what NFTs were. And I, But yeah. I was learning consistently of like, are there people doing other things? And I got into introduced to Victor Felocious on like a YouTube video. I was like, oh, like there are paintings and illustrations and Corey Van Lu was doing paintings too. So I kind of started to see it. But at that time I was um, mostly doing photography. Mm-hmm. I didn't see many or any photographers, but I had a great conversation with um, Ix Shells when mm-hmm. uh, like her account was like at 500 followers or something. Yeah. And uh, she definitely encouraged me to put my work out because she, like, she was like, you're placing limitations that don't need to be there. Like it can be anything that you want and mm-hmm. if you don't see it there, then you should be that person. So I started minting my um, photographs and 
that did that it didn't do well immediately like as time went on but i i kind of had the i had the release of care for how my artworks were doing as much as i was just like overwhelmed with curiosity about like mm-hmm. what was going on digitally in the art world and being able to see all the different global representation of artists that I didn't really think about it when I put my works up, which maybe is like a good thing or maybe a bad thing, but I was like, Oh, if it sells, if it doesn't, it's fine. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. so tuned into um, the movements and kind of like the different, um, the different themes of culture that were being established. Yeah. The, uh, the first NFT you minted, was it stuff that you, did you make it specifically to be an NFT? Were you like digging into, okay, like, what's the best thing that would work first as one? How did you decide like what the first thing was going to be? I feel like there was a, in the beginning for, I mean, I think at this point, everyone's kind of broken in, but in the very beginning of it, it was such a precious thing. Like, Oh, what's your <laughs> the Genesis? What's that first piece going to be? And, and I personally don't like, love the idea of that pressure. I think it just, it doesn't matter that, that much really, but at the same time, like you want to do it right, have some kind of a plan. So did you have, work made that you're like, all right, I'm just going to mint this and see how it goes. Or was it more intentional than that? I went to a series of works. Um, I, the, a few months prior had won the young arts competition with a portfolio of my photographs that I created Mm -hmm. that year. And that's a big national competition for high schoolers. They provide like um, lifetime career support and you get like a mentorship week and it's like, a lot of really, really amazing artists have won that since it's been around for like a few decades now. So I did kind of like go digging. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Like, what is, how does this work? And I was just like, well, I think that it should just be whatever I think is my best work right now. And mm-hmm. it was that series. So I um, minted the photographs. I kept it in the same um, it was, I don't know if it was exactly the same shots in order that I submitted to Young Arts, but it was the, the same photographs, I think, littered with maybe like a few others. Um, and I put that up too because there wasn't much, um, I didn't see much like different skin tone representation on the blockchain at the time. And yeah. it was, Definitely. It was a portraits of this um, black man who I had photographed and like created this series about um, like trauma in the black body. And it was in a body of water too, which is, it's so interesting because the body of work that I'm working on now is about black bodies and water. And mm. someone came up to me recently and they're like, Oh, I feel like you've always kind of talked about this in your work. And it's only when I do this jumps back and think about, Oh, what did I even meant? the first thing and it was that you know black mm. body um and i i felt like it was precious like i didn't really care about what happened afterwards but i was like this thing is going to be permanent and attached mm-hmm. to my name and yeah yeah i wanted to be proud of it so mm. that was what i chose yeah no that's great the uh, the swimming theme is really interesting to me um i'm curious to ask a little more about that because it seems really important to your work and obviously that's how you're 
portraying other people and there's a lot coming through, you know, in your ideas. So can, do you, well, I guess a two part question, a, is this like the kind of thing where when you yourself are just doing the act of swimming and you're physically swimming is like maybe akin to meditation and you have a lot, you sort of like shut off your mind or is it like racing and you're, you're full of ideas in that moment or like, I guess what's going on in your head, like when you swim, like, is, is that something that you feel like you're trying to get across why that and how that's been important in your life? Um, and then I guess the second part of it is, uh, is there conceptually like a line that you draw from the act of swimming or being in the water, um, to the portraits that you're shooting and the people that you're showing, what's the connection? Like, what's the, I mean, I would love to just hear more about what goes through your mind when you're making that work and what the, the, um, idea that you're ultimately kind of getting across, but also kind of like what you're channeling when you're making that work is. Interestingly, the first question that you ask is directly related to why I'm creating this body of work, but not how you think. Um, I, First started working on this series because my younger brother is still a swimmer. Okay. Both and swimmers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's still with it. Um, and he came over to the studio at one point and kind of shared with me a an experience that he had um, while in the sport that was like racially charged and made him uncomfortable. Mm. And that made me think about the sort of experiences that I had, or even the way that my body has been left after leaving the sport, which is like, I still have shoulder pain. I had um, shoulder surgery and it still has. Mm. Was the shoulder injury from swimming or from working out for swimming or it was. From swimming. Yeah. Um, And I also think in some ways that it was tied to, uh, racial issues being that I tried to describe my pain and it wasn't, um, wasn't received. I was told to push past it and that ended up with, I ended up with several tears, but Mm. it's also representative of this larger battle that black women go through with being heard when they describe their pain or, or physical issues that they're going through just had of course eugenics and all this other this larger experience that black people have in America. But rather than just my body needing um healing after that sport um or after competing in the sport, also my relationship to water. Because in the same way almost like what I described earlier with working out, there is this kind of battling that I go through internally because the pool although I love the act of swimming represented a tension filled space for me. Hmm. It's, um, I was a, like one of the very, very few black people on my team. I was very good, but I wasn't treated very well. Um, and I went through like a lot of experiences that diminished my confidence and made me uncomfortable in my body and with my hair. And that was a big part of why as I got older and kind of started to be more conscious about my identity, being more conscious about my identity and then going into the pool every day and kind of like facing what I was, um, whether it be like from 
the the kids uh, around me on the team or my coaches or um, ref not the referees but the um, officials. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was a lot of turmoil to try and like I think work through at that time. So hearing what my brother was going through, which um, it was like a reminder of that period, yeah. which I kind of moved on from. Um, I sat more with my experiences and then I started doing more research into the broader history that black Americans have with water. Cause there is this stereotype of like black people can't swim that I think has been worked on heavily over the past few years, especially like black Olympians trying to like go to black neighborhoods and like teach them how to swim or whatever. But I was really interested in like, how do we get to that place? Like this is a stereotype that some people accept or some people joke about or whatever, but where did that come from? Mm. And I ended up like unearthing a lot of history that was very dark and um, made a lot of sense. I think when laid out to me, even as it like tied into my story being a part of the pattern that began um even in like pre-colonial times, but then became like more and more dark as, you know, we were brought over here um, during the slave trade and what, you know, that crossing of the water did to us and how mm. our relationship to, to water was warped because um, a lot of the enslaved people that were brought over here um, from Africa were adept swimmers and and the people who were enslaving them were not. So there was this like power imbalance that Hmm. of course should black people have held any power during that time, it would have been stomped out of them. So we kind of saw like even water-based torture um, for black people that were brought over as slaves. Um, We saw it as like a, a way to escape in some ways or, or, um, just, just really, really dark stuff that then, of course, led into the Crow era, which kind of lent more to like segregation of pools and the 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 uh, lines that again the people in power drew to what was allowed um, socially, what was acceptable. So being around um, like black bodies, which they perceived as dirty or sexually um sexually over the top or like oh like they're just gonna throw themselves on 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 people and rape them or whatever like this this idea of like this this monster that was created um then kept us out of pools or um during like lawful segregation or when it was allowed and black people did try and go swim which i also thought was a very interesting story of like persistence where in all these instances, whether it was like during the slave trade or afterwards, black people never stopped trying to go to water, to swim, to relax, to exercise. There, like, there was this constant, I'm gonna try again, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try again. And um, they would be abused outside of pools, they'd be, be have water thrown on their clothes, humiliated, whatever, and they would still, as an act of resistance, go back to, to pools. Mm. Um, but interestingly, and I think um, in speaking, I, I was able to speak to Jeff Wiltz, who 
is this amazing historian who put who was able to connect a lot of these dots when it came to um, the the social history of pools. Um, also, kind of um, showed how pools being a controversial space meant that this discomfort never fully healed in the way as like maybe diners being a good example of also like acts of resistance where people go and sit at the bar at the diner and like they would not leave they were doing the same thing with pools but instead of um there being like i think some sort of healing in those spaces the pools um pretty much just got shut down and or became private and they raised their prices to outprice black people, which is something that's still happening today. And I think lends also to um, why a lot of black people can't swim because they don't have access to those spaces Mm. or the history that we went through created this generational trauma and like injuries in our community, spiritually and physically and mentally to where the idea of engaging with water kind of carries this stress. So Hmm. it's something that I've been very deeply researching recently. Well, (laughs) first off, thank you for sharing all that. I've learned a lot just being quiet and just listening to you share all that because, uh, I mean, the, the personal history and the, you know, the, the family and, and just your, you know, who you are and your identity being so wrapped up in something you love and swimming and then kind of digging into all the, it's just hearing you talk earlier about your sort of being a really, you know, great athlete, but also an artist and finding a way to continue telling the story and involving swimming, which is sound like your first real love um, into what you're doing now is a very special thing. And I think quite rare. I don't think a lot of people ever really find that thing. I think it's sort of like a lifelong search for a lot of artists. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of beautiful work comes from trying to find what someone's trying to say. And I have no pair. I mean, for me as just a, you know, as a, as a white male, like I, I don't have anything I can relate to with that. I mean, I have my own things I've been through, but nothing, nothing as, as deeply rooted and as sort of just like the, just the rich history that you kind of unearthed to navigate and, and explore. I, I just kudos to you for like finding a way to, even after your injury to then still involve swimming into your creative practice, I just think is um, something that you just don't hear a lot of artists find and be able to tap into. And I guess my follow-up question then is based on everything that you've now learned. And I imagine we'll spend a lifetime learning more about and trying to understand um, what is it that you're trying to show through the work? And I guess maybe I should just ask straight up, like what's the body of work then that you're doing now? Um, is, is there a titled something? Or are you kind of like right in the thick of just working on it? Um, and kind of everything that you just shared, I guess, like what is, uh, how, how is that informing the way that you're portraying people and water? Like what, I guess, like when you go to make work and you're looking through your lens, like what's the, what's the shot that you feel like you need to properly express everything that you've now sort of started to understand through your research? Well, I'm definitely in the thick of it in terms of 
it being so overwhelming that there is, I think, two stages of processing, just processing the information, which of course has been very dark. And I think it's like, I've had to be conscious of in terms of like my mental health. And um, a lot of these stories are, um, dark doesn't even feel like the right word to explain it so malicious and vile and horrific to the point where you read sometimes some of these accounts and you wonder, and I, I think even like look into your own humanity and wonder how it was possible for someone else to do this to a human being. Mm. And that has been a question that I've been asking myself a lot especially when it comes to water, because I think that that is such a, I mean, I wouldn't even say especially, I mean, I have my own personal experiences with water, but water is something that we all need to, to live. It feels like a, we're 70% water, right? And what you can die sooner without water than, than you do without food. Like it is something that people crave to, to be around and be involved with or just have in their lives, whether that's listening to water sounds, walking by the beach or, you know, taking the step of going into a pool and, and like doing laps. So there's been some processing in that realm, I think of just okay. kind of like, wow, you know, mm. this, this is humanity. This is the duality of, of human beings. Like we can be so great, but we can be so horrible. Um, and I think that I've been also trying to take that into the art because it's been also an exploration of my art practice and my process in terms of, do I need to sit down and process this and then go make art or can I like make art as a way of processing this? And I feel like I've been going in between that. So it's so far encompass a lot of different mediums. Like I've started working in sculpture and going back to like my, my former practices, which is like more painting and drawing and like trying to get it out in that form. Um, writing about it, I'm sure is going to be um, definitely important to connect some of these ideas because I feel like the, the purpose of this is to connect some dots that I feel like haven't quite been um, at least connected art-wise, right, yet. I've like, I, I have read this great book by Jeff Wiltz, Contested Waters. It's about the segregation, um, the like, it's not just segregation of pools, but it's, it's about the social history of pools and a mm. part of that is segregation obviously and what um racial issues went on with pools first it kind of starts more with like gender and class but then that all gets put onto black people at some point um and then now kind of finishing up with kevin dawson's undercurrents of power which talks about um kind of like pre-colonial and colonial um africans and what their practices were um like prior to and during the slave trade and what uh, what jobs that they were put to and how water influenced the slave trade. And that also uh, spoke a lot to like the duality of our nature, because in a lot of instances, people could not have been taken 
um, because of the inability to swim or navigate water by um, white people. So they were aided because they were kind of introducing like their, their influence and um, capitalism in some senses that like convinced other people to um, use their water skills to hmm. uh, capture people and get them brought across the you know, across the Atlantic to America. So that was also difficult. Um, but I think that, that, that the historical part of it is deeply connected to also like the mental and spiritual part of it, which I feel like um, was heavily damaged during all of that and still lies in a place where it needs healing now, just seeing how um, many black Americans still feel about water. There, during the slave trade too, there was a lot of disconnection from our ancestral um, spiritual practices, which were also heavily integrated with water. So in that way, I think that there is like a lot of um, different important sections of this that I'd like to bring together with art, mm. which that's what I'm working on right now is a like form of education, but also hopefully um, I think even for hopefully people now, so they see it in an artistic sense, it might awaken something in them that helps heal that part of themselves that I feel like we sit with. Like for myself, it's been a journey of having to heal my personal relationship with water, which I have more direct personal experiences. But like right now I don't swim partially because it's not super accessible to me, but also because um, it is a, difficult mental space to go into sometimes when I'm trying to overcome it, I realize I can just do it for my own pure enjoyment or mm. to help my creative practice now. Um, but there's definitely like this extra hurdle of like, Oh, but this is like a, a difficult space for me to inhabit before. And it has these memories tied to it. Mm. Did you come to learn about everything that you've been talking about much later after you'd been such a serious swimmer for a while. And so you swam and it was recreational and fun and a sport for you, but you started having your own personal experiences and then started wondering like, is there, and then, like you said, with your brother, it sounds like that was kind of what instigated you starting to go a lot deeper. So it is really interesting how that would sort of retroactively affect your enjoyment of something you love to do. And then the thought of going and doing it actually now is quite loaded in a way that it maybe wasn't for you when you were like 13, 14 doing it. And it was just like, I'm a swimmer. I swim. I'm not thinking anymore about it. It's like, it's pretty fascinating. And I wonder like to know, you said that, that it's not as accessible now. Um, and the, it's, it's something that's interesting to hear you talk about, like you want to enjoy it, but trying to be able to sort of do it and detach maybe in a way, I guess you can only do that so much because every, obviously you care deeply about everything you're learning and talking about. So like, could do you, do you feel like swimming is something that you'll eventually come around to doing and be able to like separate it and just do it as like a exercise, almost just like, Oh, I like to go swim. It's exercise. And then almost separate, or do you not want to, does it mean more to you in a way to like the act of swimming feels like a more spiritual and a more like sincere act to me hearing you talk as someone who would go do it versus just like, I'm going for a quick jog. 
or like, or do you aspire to have it be just like a, a fun leisure thing? Well, actually, I, th- I think now, actually, after learning everything that I have, I almost feel more compelled to go swim because it does feel like an act of resistance of all of that history and darkness and everything that was suffered. When I was younger, I was going through more direct I guess you would maybe call them microaggressions now that I didn't have voice for because I was so sure. young. So I just knew I felt alienated. I felt like I was being pushed too far sometimes, like when it came to my shoulder and I would like try and say like, mm. Hey, I'm in a lot of pain. And I'd be told, Oh, you're not trying hard enough. And then of course I had mm. to go into surgery. So I think it was like more isolation, alienation that like really made me uncomfortable. So every time I would go to the pool, like, there were like different things that I like, you know, as an athlete that I would do to kind of just like protect myself, you know, in like the small ways that we do to like get through the day. So mm. I was dressing like more masculine. I was wearing like um, a lot of snapbacks. So I would just like keep really low on my head. And I would just like stop mm. talking to people. And mm. like, I think it was like that experience, but I didn't have fully the voice for like, Oh, this is like, racially tied or something like that or like yeah, sure, sure. i almost feel like maybe knowing somewhere that history would have like pushed me to stay with it more like oh i have to be like this, this but um obviously that wasn't my path but it was more so i think my brother coming and talking to me about it because unfortunately we don't see each other as much and him kind of sharing with me his experience that made me now as an as an adult looking back on my experiences because I hadn't really thought about it because I've separated myself so much from it. I was like, Oh, like that was that, or, Oh, like the, those feelings that you were feeling like it was because this person said this year, they shouldn't have done that to you. And there was a little bit of like having a conversation with my inner child of saying like, that shouldn't have happened to you. And mm. that's why, and kind of like re-explaining it to myself. Um, mm. So I think now, despite the inaccessibility, I would actually feel a little bit better um, swimming and doing it for myself because mm. especially in reading some of these stories and, and seeing what, what water could be as a relief also during the strong pressures of oppression that black people are going through. Um, like even in the earlier 1900s or mid 1900s and them just like, saying like, oh, like water, there's this one account of this, this man who's saying that he wanted to learn how to swim so bad because it felt like the closest thing to be able to experience that now and taking the steps to go do it Mm. feels better. I think Mm. than just go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. I I know if you were done, I just, but I'm, I'm curious to ask about the work that you're making. So is it a mix, is it mixed media? Is it photography? Um, tell me about the process, like maybe from a technical standpoint, but also the planning. A lot of what I like to ask about is just a little bit more like raw, like, yeah, the, the technical, like the setup, what goes into pro- like kind of plotting or planning a, a particular shot or if, you know, whether, whether it's like a product designer or someone who makes paintings or whatever, like what's the starting point for you? So you have this extremely rich and like 
emotional, like you've got you, your idea and your concept and like what you're drawn to making and expressing about right now from just, again, listening to you talk is just so full of, I mean, I can, I can see how like kind of you just be so like as an artist when you just get excited about an idea, whether that's rooted in pain or happiness or whatever emotion you're just very charged up to excite and excited to express that idea somehow. So like, where do you start and how do you decide to organize like all these different ideas into a singular image? And is it just a still, or are you doing anything with video or like, what's the, what's the medium and how are you kind of planning on this, this new body of work and like, and what is it looking like? And and what's, what are the, what are the tools and, and all that stuff, I guess. Interestingly, like you said, um, I feel like this will probably be, or I can, I can nearly say definitely be something I will be exploring for the rest of my life. Like kind of being like, Oh, like I feel this innate sense that this is tied to my life's work, you know, where it's mm, like, it feels like it, it feels that important. It really does. It doesn't feel like a fleeting like interest or like this thing that like, all right, I'm done with that one. Like on to the next, like it, just hearing you talk, it's like, it's very, it's, I gotta tell you, it's very inspiring just on a like purely creative level to hear someone connect as deeply as you are with something. It feels like you're setting the stage for like many years of just going through trying to exercise these energies out into making work. And it feels like there's a lot to explore that, you know, people have written about and and all Mm -hmm. that, but yeah, I'm really, I'm just, I'm really like, it's just a very pleasant sort of, uh, you know, surpri- not surprised, but again, like I think about myself at that age and where I was at. And I was very much like, I wasn't setting out to like, okay, I have this, this idea and I'm going to really go deep on that. I was just like, or oh, what, what feels good to me to make. And again, it's all relative. It's not that it, there's no competition, but I think it's really great. I think it's a really cool thing that you've like kind of discovered. And the fact that you're swimming history, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't fully know what to expect with the conversation and I, I'm, I'm really just like um i think it's exciting to hear anybody talk about something in such an impassioned uh and researched way that it's like wow i'm excited to like watch what unfolds for you as an artist now but thank um, you yeah but so I, I guess i don't know like where that just as an aside but yeah like just hearing you talk about all this stuff then like is it yeah where what's how is the work gonna express itself what's the what are the mediums gonna be maybe in the this current thing that you're kind of underway on well what i was gonna say is that like I, I don't know if this is true for all people but at least for myself um i can't remember who it was that told me but when they they said like oh well you've kind of always been talking about this when i kind of told them about the project mm. and um it might have been my my parents actually i can't remember who it was or at least i do know that we ended up having a really long conversation about because i love talking to my parents but um yeah, looking back on the work that I did for Young Arts and then did as my like first NFT is or then the work that I that I did later on with um some of what people consider their favorite works of mine, I've been told repeatedly all have to do with um black bodies and, and water. And even though I find, kind of felt like I was communicating different ideas, I always like chose the the mode of like like a black face and incorporating water and the piece that that sold the most um, in last year's auction with Christie's, 
um, for like 22, 20, I think it was like 22 ETH to um, John Michelle uh, at John Michelle at Ledger. Um, that one was this little girl um, with diamonds on her face laying in like a stream of water. Mm. And it's one of my favorite photos and people have always like really connected with that idea of mine. So I kind of feel like even like looking in the past of like my past body of work, you can kind of see like, oh, it's like, it's kind of like made its way in there, whether it's been subconscious or not. Mm. So like maybe I could say that for a long time I've been creating this like subconsciously now consciously, um, I've been trying to get more into the practice of, um, in, in thinking about like what obstacles you face as, as an artist, which oftentimes is your own mind telling you, no, you can't do this or you're not good enough for this, or you don't have the skills mm. that if I have any sort of idea from my readings, just sitting down and meditating on it or talking about it, that if something pops up, even if it's not a medium that I'm accustomed to, I'll just make it. And even if I don't have placement for it or whatever, I'll just make it. So I, I have like a three foot tall bus sculpture that I made in here dedicated to the project. I've done the painting so far. Um, I have another small, um, smaller sculpture here. I've been working a lot with um, cyanotypes and one is about to go to Christie's Contemporary, which I'm very proud of, mm. um, which is kind of like the first, like, I think, first hint of this series, like going out into the world with me being conscious of what I'm doing, but I want to present it um, as like a whole body of like, maybe like the first step of it being finished work. But if I continue to work on it, then like, I don't know if it'll ever all be in one room, you know? <laughs> what's the, what's the sculptural work? What's the, like, what's the medium? And are you working with like a fabricator? Or are you physically working on building something or? I've been doing a mix. So, um, the, I, I was able to, uh, get, uh, work with a fabricator using bioplastic to print, uh, a bust of my really good friend, Tyler, who was a swimmer when he was younger, a bust of him. And I took it afterwards and I, uh, tiled and grouted it like it was a pool. Mm. So it's this like, bus created out of pool tiles now which i'm still like like i said it like came to me i can't remember exactly how i think that there's something about like forbidden spaces there that i like need to really flush out hmm. but i really like sitting with it it's kind of like one of the first pieces that i created for this aside from like some paintings that i've been doing and um the cyanotypes which i love working with because it, it naturally incorporates water into like the creation of it because it's like you have to rinse out the the cyano liquid with water and it's like a print created uh with light and water which is like you know these natural natural um tools in a sense so mm -hmm. that i've been getting really into for sure yeah well, that's really exciting what who who were some of the artists that you were looking to when you were I keep wanting to say when you were young, I mean, I guess like it's different phases for you because you're young now, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but like when you were, I don't know, who's the first artist you remember thinking about in a way that felt impactful and it could be that any age. Um, when I was youngest, I think two, there were, there, there are two that definitely stick out. Laura Zombie, who um, she's this like watercolor painter and I think I was really inspired by her because 
she was one of the first artists that I saw who really created a brand from their work. Like she had a cult following of people mm. who like, what really was her name again? Laura zombie. Okay. She's really vibrant, beautiful. I still have one of her artworks in my bedroom, but um, just like cool concepts. Like it's definitely something that you could see like a little, like, like a younger kid being into and going to one of her pop-up shops. Cause she would do this shop. So she was integrating her paintings with like fashion and pillows and all this stuff. And like, I didn't know much about being an artist. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Like she, she has like a brand like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, going to one of her, her pop-up shops was the first time that, my family encouraged me to choose art over swimming. So I had a swimming that was really important. And mm. I was like, War Zombies coming into New York and this is like the only time. And they're like, okay, like we've always, we've always picked sport. Like let's, let's go to this. And like, that was a big moment for me to like kind of make that choice to go do mm-hmm. that. And so went to the, the meet later. Um, so her and then um, Kim Jong-ji who just passed away, but, he was an artist that like my dad and I were really, really into. Um, he's some people consider him a comic book artist, but I mean, his visual library was just like expansive, just crazy expansive. Um, he could sit down and draw you literally anything. And that like technical skill and like commitment to always be drawing was something that like my dad always trying to impress upon me. Like mm. he would always tell me, always have a sketchbook on you, always be drawing, like just get out your ideas like that. Um, and our our first time like going to comic-con my dad and i pretty much just followed kim jong-ji around <laughs> we're like look he's drawing he's drawing on a napkin <laughs> a celebrity like it was very nerdy but it was like yeah it was cool to be into someone like that too mm. is there anyone uh like right now um who is making work that you're just generally excited about whether it has like an impact on your own or not who are another artist or two like working like you know, maybe even like in your own sort of circles or, you know, in your own community or like anybody who's put out something maybe in the last year, like a very recent example of something that's like top of mind when you think about like someone who's just doing stuff that is really exciting to you. I think your trade us work is always amazing. Um, and always like a note to storytelling and in cinematic portraits and even just like the, the telling of certain stories that are important to to their collective and to Kia especially. So I've like been really inspired by the work that they've put out, especially I think there was um there was a recent series that they put out about like the creation myth and like their specific creation myth, which was so beautiful and kind of like touching on Adam and the creation of animals. And they had like a real ass, I think it was a real ass rhino. <laughs> Or, or definitely like turtles and stuff and i remember huh. they came up, like no the rhino is not cgi like we actually post with one like it was really sick um I, I would have to go double check if it was but it was like some huge like animal that it's like crazy that they were able to, to take a like such a beautiful portrait with mm. that and then um so their work is always amazing like whenever they come out i'm like in awe especially when you see if you like to talk about like technical process, their technical process, they record and like do almost like documentary style. So to be able to like see the the thought behind it, the explanation of the story, and then also like, here's how we did it um, is really 
really inspiring. And then of course, like I always say now, Ashley, like their commitment to their work and the, the ability to create a whole world, um, I think has been like always. Who's this? Sorry. Who's this? Niall Ashley. Oh yeah. I interviewed Niall, uh, like a, just over a year ago. Um, yeah, in well, like another in a past uh, life of this show, but yeah, it was mm-hmm. great. Cool, yeah. So then you know, like they are like <sighs> I can't even like really. They're like the the definition of like committed artists in their own world, like mm-hmm. in their own characters, completely absorbed in it, and um, I think that they're their ability to go into their own hole and not be spurred on by outside validation, knowing that what they're creating is so important and mm-hmm. to them and so beautiful that whenever they put it out, it will do what it's supposed to in the world or something that yeah. I've been sure because when I've been working on this project, I've not really been sharing the art with people. I've not been talking about it. I haven't had the validation of this is a good idea or the validation of that's a good artwork. Like I'm creating it. I'm putting it aside mm-hmm. at some point, like it will be shared. And I just have to have the faith in my own vision that what I'm creating is important and that it has value in the world and will have value to other people. Mm. So it's like a lesson I think for artists to learn because especially in like web three and NFTs there, there's a lot of instant validation that I think people get addicted to. Oh, I just finished that. Like, you know, and it, it, it makes sense because like art is such a vulnerable thing that sometimes like that dopamine hit is maybe what helps you commit to the next one, but it can also influence your, your practice, I think. And like, whether you continue on with a piece or a series or whatever, like sometimes I think it's good to like be your own um, cheerleader and critic. And Mm. yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you're uh, in a, you're in a new ish studio, right? By the way, when, how, how recent was this? July. July. How's that working out? Is this your first like proper studio space? Oh yeah, no, it's, it's okay. So for, for, okay. You just did a thing that I'm like, okay, is she stressed out or is it, is it more of like my mind's blown? I get to go there kind of thing. No, it's like excited. Like, like has there been stress? Yes. There's stress because it has required of me things that you, I haven't necessarily anticipated in terms of like, I was always like, I'm an artist, I need a studio. I'm an artist, I need a studio. And there, there is a lot of resistance that you have to push through in terms of like, mm-hmm. let me get to the studio. There's like, there is um, the expansion of ideas in this space, which is amazing. But you also like, there's so much pushing that you have to do. But um, for me also like the discipline of like, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to take care of my stuff and then I'm going to head to the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, is is something that has been at times difficult in terms of like oh like I'm so tired I could just stay. would you rather just stay home like is that yeah like, uh, like that, yeah. that comes up a lot I do it that nearly every day sometimes like with the with the cold now and yeah and the cold and I think like the fear that comes along with like I'm working on something that's really important to me I don't want to fuck it up and sometimes it, it feels easier to just not start at all. Mm. But that is not the path that should be taken. So I take my ass there every day. Like I haven't missed uh-huh. a day unless I've been sick, but 
some days it is like harder than others. I mean, it's like a job where it's like, you're your own boss and you have to tell yourself to go and, you know, you can't, you can't be fired from your own job. You can definitely like, um, not rise to the expectations that you've set for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, just for what it's worth, I didn't have like a proper like office for, I mean, I think I was six years into doing stuff before I finally wasn't working out of like a bedroom or like a home office type of thing. And it did feel, it felt amazing to just like the the act of leaving and Mm -hmm. and arriving somewhere, I think was kind of a revelation to me because it was like, all right, I don't just roll out of bed and like walk a few feet over. And that works for a little while, but eventually that separation does go a long way mentally, I think. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like separating spaces and being like, and it also makes home feel more like a sanctuary to me in terms of um, I can go home. I can release some of this. I can now relax and take care of my body and things like that. Where it's like, it, it does kind of create that separation of like, I, I've, when I was working from home, which I was for like the first six months of, of um, living out here, there was that blur of like, am I at work? Am I at home? Like, yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah. for me to just get up and take a nap and never get back to work, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, but I understand completely what you're saying because yeah. like having that hard line is kind of nice. I'm like, okay, I'm opening this door and closing the other, and now I'm in a new space and can like start again the next morning. Yeah. Has there been any build out required in the new space or is it pretty much like move in, set up some desks, like good to go? Or is it, <laughs> what's the, what's like the, the setup there? Is it, do you have a lot of like ways to go before it's just right? Or are you pretty much like it's, it's exactly what you need right now? I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of build up. So obviously I, I share it with um, Drift and like we, we kind of were like, do we, do we want to just like chill and let it make itself? Or mm-hmm. both very anal people. So then we sat down for like a week stream, like order this, order that, order this. And then like, you know, measuring everything and like, it has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So we have, I think everything in here that we need aside from maybe photo studio stuff, which has been more like um, specific to a shoot. So I haven't had like a shoot that I have needed to like order stuff for. So it's kind of been laying a little bit dormant, but right now we, we have three couches, two, two to three desks, you know, like a painting area back here. Mm-hmm. I an exhibition wall over here. Um, we created kind of like a sitting space right by my desk. There's the photo studio back on the far wall. And then like another um, kind of like sitting meeting space. Um, Cause we have an L so like kind of around the corner type area. Okay. So nice. it, it's yeah, huge. that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could live here if we wanted. Is you going to be, you plan on being there for a long time? Is it like, feel like a long haul kind of spot? I think so. What's hard is that like it being in Jersey city. Yeah. So wait, so you're, you're, I didn't even set up like where you're at, but you live in, in New York. I live in Jersey city. You live in Jersey city. Okay. Yeah. But where I live is right on the water. It's right on the Hudson. So it takes like, all of five minutes really to get into the city. This is yeah. like a little deeper in because it's more in like the warehouse area, you know, okay. further away from the gentrification that's been done. Like Jersey City, where we live now, kind of looks like little Manhattan. You know, it's just okay. high rise, high rise, Starbucks, you know, Krispy Kreme, whatever, all that type of stuff all around. <laughs> um, here, I really like it. I enjoy it for my creativity because like 
see more people like me, like walking around. It's like really quiet over here. There's, it's a warehouse space and we have like two columns in the middle of the studio. It's like yeah. really type space. People don't bother you. They don't care what you do in here type yeah. thing. Um, like paint on the walls, put holes in it, smoke, don't like have a party. You know, it's really that type of vibe. That's perfect. Just, yeah. 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 The only thing is getting newer people over here. Cause you know, getting, getting uh like bridge and tunnel people you know <laughs> yeah yeah it just feels a little too far like it's just yeah, like a, a real they thing come, they're like they're like it's not even that bad <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah i know yeah no that's great i love that that's it's exciting to to feel like you've got a physical home for the work and then i kind of feel like it frees up you to feel like if you do want to get the laptop out or do some stuff at home you don't feel that bad because it's like this isn't where I'm doing stuff all the time. Like I'm just yeah, I need to do a little bit of work right now, but it's not like this isn't permanently where I would do everything. So it's good it's so to have nice. that like mental yeah. divide. Yeah. Well, it feels like a little treat. Like, oh, I'm gonna pull up my laptop in the living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you have going on for the rest of the year? What's like what's uh, just working on stuff? Do you have anything kind of imminent, like in in December, like project wise or like drops or anything or you just kind of stay focused do the keep doing the work you're doing right now and things are going to kind of unfold in the new year right now confirm which i haven't like spoken about yet on my twitter or anything but i i do have a christie's contemporary auction which i'm excited about felt like a um something that i felt very proud about like going ending the year with like with one of my physical pieces that I've been working on for this project. But aside from that, which is that that's early December, aside from that, I am working on this body of work and I am also working on a, on a separate body of work with um, it's a collaboration um, series with an artist, Paige Powell, who's like really amazing. Um, who's given me like access to her archive and, we're working on that really seriously. So it's kind of like entirely different worlds of those kind of like meditating on how they connect. Cause I feel like they do. Um, mm. That one is more about like technology, autonomy over your image, like how fast you can create imagery right now, like anyone and like the dangers that, that come with that. Um, mm. She's an older photographer and has like this archive from like the sixties to the eighties and, like kind of relating that to now and the kind of archive of images I can create off of her archive is crazy. So we've yeah. kind of been in that cross-generational conversation. So I've been working on that and just trying to like make sure that we um, get squared away with creating all of that work and having those conversations and like ironing out like our communication about how we see it and what we want it to be in the world has been um, like a learning experience for me, like collaborating with someone who's like really been around the block and like knows so much more than, than I do right now. She's given me so much advice. So um, those, those like two things are kind of like sitting on my plate and I'm, I'm so excited about. So it's like yeah. less project based, which I, I set out for myself this year um, as in like, I don't want always to be at the beck and call of like someone else saying like, Hey, I need a piece for this, or I need a commission for that because I, I did have that moment where I'm like, what am I creating work for if no one is asking me to, and I had to like find that for myself. So working in the dark has like 
it's been scary at times, but overall it's been like really positive in terms of like uncovering a lot of like important stuff and, and creating without people watching, you know? Mm, Yeah. Well, Diana, it's been really a pleasure to talk to you. This has been, I could say definitely of, yeah, of the 25 interviews, like I think, you know, I always go into these, like sometimes I know the people really well. Sometimes I've talked to them like once. Sometimes it's like, oh, we followed each other for 10 years and we're finally talking. And then other times I'm like, I'm I'm familiar, but not super familiar. And and those are usually the ones where I'm like, I just, I don't really know what to expect or how it's going to go or, or whatever. And um, I really just enjoy listening to you talk. It's not surprising that you've gone and done conferences and spoken and stuff. And I think <laughs> you're uh, just, you're, passion for the the kind of the just the discovery of i think your purpose uh as an artist at the age you're at is just like it's a gift it's really cool it's just really cool to see and i think it's something that i'm still like 20 years next year is 20 years since i've been since i started like i'm literally i started when i was 18 and i'm 38 and next year will be like the 2024 will be 20 years and um I can't wait. I, I, That's great. Yeah, it's, it's it, long, like I know, no, I and I'm very lucky, and I've had some just and continue to have just some like amazing experiences in my career and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, something about just listening to someone talk who's kind of at the point I was when I started. I do a lot of. It's not a nostalgia thing or like a. It's not meant to be sentimental, but it's more just. I always wondered, I think, I mean, I remember thinking when I was like probably in my mid twenties, like, man, what are artists going to be like in 15 years, 20 years from now? Like just seeing maybe the rapid, like how quickly technology is so, so fast and the accessibility of it more and more, I think is just, and I have two kids as well. I have a six and a two year old. So like, they're really growing up with stuff. So I think a lot about like what they're going to have at their disposal, even more so somehow than, you know, you and more than definitely more than I did. And it's like, it's just cool. It's just exciting. I just get created a Christmas card of us (laughs) (laughs) using AI and I just generated it here. Like all these things are going to be able to like, yeah be able to manifest things at their fingertips that's like crazy we did like some some like you know i just took some like pictures of them like some family pictures of them like a couple weeks ago and then i'll just pop them in and be like to my daughter like hey sylvie look and i'll just like in two seconds like she's in a field of unicorns with rain like all this stuff and i think she's gonna just see oh you just type in whatever you want and boom it's there so I do think a lot about the fact that we have to make sure that this stuff doesn't come too easy. <laughs> like I'm That's a little worried about that. It's a totally a whole other conversation, <laughs> but you, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's exciting, but also like, I want to make sure like, Hey, we still got to put in like the work it's, you know, but we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But all that to say, it's, it's really exciting. I, I get excited and really intrigued talking to um, people at, you know, whatever phase of their career they're in, but especially people who are like really at the advent of things just starting to really blossom. And and I think you're just such a great example for artists to look to, to, you know, to, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that other people will listen to this no matter where they're at and be like, damn, that's, that's like some very aspirational, I think to have found such a amazing, um idea and purpose in in your work and i really just enjoy hearing you talk i really do it's just really it's really fun yeah yeah it's really fun to just listen to you be just kind of um you know like your your ideas and everything seem developed in a a way that's like then not many 18 19 year olds are 
are like in that point. And it's just, it's, it's really cool. I'm just excited to watch what you do. And, and, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for your practice and, and, uh, just excited to just, you know, keep an eye on the career in the many, many coming years. So, um, I appreciate that because this is one of the first times, um, that I've like sat down and really spoken about it aside people Mm. coming from the studio. So it's like nice to be able to use that muscle in terms of like, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Like yeah. It, yeah. 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 It's around in my brain that it's going into the arts. So to be able to sit down and kind of be like, Oh no, like, I, I really do feel this way. I really connect certain ideas. Like sure. I find, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but like, I find even when just talking about things or in interviews, I'm like, Oh yeah, like those two things connect. I'm going to take that from this afterwards and put it into something else or write about mm. it. So it, it's yeah. really helpful. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's my pleasure. This is this is great. And um, I always just leave. I, I, I do these usually once a week, two this week, actually, because I did one yesterday. But it's yeah. really like a highlight for me. It's like, you know, it's 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 like work on one hand. But on the other hand, it's just like just getting to meet and hear people talk and and like hear where they're at is just so fascinating. And like the spectrum of people of like where they're at is really interesting too, because I think like older artists who are, you know, older than me and much younger artists, more your age, like, and what they can learn from each other. Like I'm, I'm big on like, I never want to be the dad. That's like, you know, to my kids, it's like, Oh, I'm too old. I don't understand that stuff. Like, I feel like it's my job to, even if I don't like get it or I realize, Oh, that music or that, aesthetic or that fashion or that whatever isn't necessarily like for me it's not meant for me to like really listen to or or whatever that might mean i still feel like it's just so important as i as i get older as an artist and as a person to just have a respect for and like a an understanding at least that it's like you know different and like that's just what you know my daughter or my son are like really into in that moment and uh i think you know it's just um yeah. I don't know. I just, I love the, eventually one of these episodes, I think I want to do a round table, like intentionally about like talking like legacy and careers with artists who are like in totally different point, like someone who's a little I, younger than someone who's a little younger than you, <laughs> like find some mm-hmm. like high school student, you, someone like, you know, just almost like each and then, and just talking yeah. about like what each other have learned and and hope that people get enlightened through maybe recapturing like where they were at when they were 18 or like, you know, Mm -hmm. needed to hear that. And they're, they're 50, but Oh yeah, that's like why I got into it. You know? So it's a cool, it's a cool kind of idea, I guess. I think a lot would be solved with like cross-generational conversations and just like listening with true intent, not just like that. Yeah, yeah. Listening to speak type thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from talking to Paige and, she from her perspective has like also been able to give me some some advice that that has come from like a place of like hey like i i've been there like i know it like even i was talking to her about fashion like hey like there have been points where i've had all these fashion brands or whatever and like to me being young i'm like oh it's so it's exciting it's cool like i want to make sure that like i do well and whatever and she you know was able to give me the perspective of like make sure whatever you wear or however you support is someone that you genuinely like, like you like the designer, you like the clothes. And I think that like, as silly as it sounds, it was almost like that, like fact check of like, yeah, yeah. Above you, you know, it's clothes that you wear is still art. And, you know, would you consume art that you don't like or mm. 
someone who you don't align with and like stuff like that. It's like, oh, you can only hear that from like an older person. Like a 20 year old yeah. is like, around and be like, yeah, like really, really be intentful with like the brands that you work with. Like if some big brand comes and like we want like really, really think about it like internally, not just from the money or the the look, the clout, like sit and like just stuff like that is like the valuable like valuable bits of information that like you only get from people that like have been there and like detached from certain things and like know both the good and bad sides of industries and art or, or yourself that like yeah, yeah. To, like bring to you and and that stuff is like so valuable and i think that, like, the cultures that also like really value and integrate like elders and like listening to your elders and sitting with them and having them like very much still integrated into social life whether it's like dinners or going out or parties still like whatever like that 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 stuff is very important because there's like a lot a depth of experience there that like you're only going to get when you're sitting in that position too and like how do you want to treat you when you're there yeah absolutely well Thank you so much. Yeah, this was great. I really enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you uh, you know, have a good rest of the week. And I'm excited to see this. I'm I'm really excited now to see like what comes next with this next body work after just listening to you chat about it. It's it's really cool. Um, and I think uh yeah, I just think your the story is great. And I hope you do find your way back to swimming in some way that that's just like fun, but you know, has a whole new meaning. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for sharing your story and, and taking the time to talk. Thank you. And I really enjoyed yeah. this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk soon. All right. Take care, Diana. Thank you. Bye.